You're listening to Vernacular Podcast. Hello and welcome to Vernacular Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. And you're listening to Season 5. Yes. And this is the third episode of Season 5. But it's a little bit different from what we've been doing. We wanted to do kind of a bonus episode in the midst of our book club season. Yeah. So if you were expecting that we were going to talk about power of meaning on this episode, we are not. We're just taking a little break to have a fun conversation about life before we jump back into our last two books, Power of Meaning and then Being Mortal. And if you haven't listened to our podcast before, we actually don't even normally do book reviews because of our personal schedules this uh, first part of the year. We modified our podcast, so we're doing a book club season to better accommodate this format where I am Skyping in because I'm traveling and Sally is at home. And we're not bringing in any guests because that would just be too many schedules to coordinate. (laughs) And too many Skype calls to count on being reliable throughout the conversation. (laughs) So here we are, a bonus episode. We're not going to talk about a book. We're going to talk about kind of, I don't know, things that we've been doing lately and looking forward to about the year and all sorts of stuff so yeah i think speaking of looking forward to we should kick it off with baseball season because april begins baseball season right that's right april 3rd is officially opening day and if you've listened to our podcast before we've kind of we've had one or have we had two sports episodes before yeah yep yeah just dedicated to sports um because zach is an avid sports fan and athlete and so baseball is your favorite sport, right? It is. And just to clarify what Sally means by me being an athlete, it's very flattering of her to say. But really I mean, you're not professional. I, but I play in community softball leagues and I like going to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I think that qualifies um, so, you. <laughs> so athlete, yeah, I, I would say that's valid. Just kidding. <laughs> But yeah, I am definitely a huge sports guru, and there is no sport that is better in my mind than baseball. Which is um, why I used to play baseball. Oh, I was going to say, which, is why, which is why you started a baseball blog. Oh, that's right. Yeah, if you want to check out my baseball blog, go to medium.com/bullpen. And uh, the original goal was to update that weekly. Um, I have not met that goal, but there's a fair amount of articles that I've written on there, and you can check them out. Let me know what you think. Um, but yeah, I love baseball. It's hard to describe my passion for the sport, but it's just such a perfect sport in my opinion. And baseball season is always exciting when it's just about to start because it's, we're coming through this long off season. Um, this off season, though, I've kind of had my appetite whetted by the World Baseball Classic, which is a quadrennial event uh, that first happened in 2005, and it's kind of a, it's kind of like a World Cup of baseball, if you will. So there's there are qualifying tournaments that are held throughout the world to qualify 16 teams for the event itself. And then the 16 teams play in a double, double, well, kind of a pool play and then um, single elimination tournament. And uh, this year was fun. There were a lot of cool storylines. The the Dominican Republic has a rivalry with the U.S. because of the 2013 World Baseball Classic, and they played two games this one. The first game, the Dominican Republic came back in the, in the bottom of the ninth inning. Um, the second game, the U.S. won, and that was that was a game that qualified them to advance to the semifinal of the World Baseball Classic. 
Um, so that was that was just a cool storyline. My favorite storyline though was about Team Israel, which, um, if you know anything about Israeli baseball, um, well, let me just say it would not be surprising if you don't know anything about Israeli baseball because there's not much to know. There's not really um, there's 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 a developmental movement in in Israel to um, or a movement in Israel to get developmental leagues going, but Israel has no professional baseball leagues and almost almost no leagues. I mean, there are there are a few leagues, but there are like three um, regulation baseball fields in all of Israel. And if I'm remembering your blog post correctly, since it was I think a month ago that I read it, but they all of the players are not usually even residents of Israel. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, so none of them are residents of Israel. Um, none of the ones in the World Baseball Classic team. Like they might have some sort of Israeli. Israeli connection or family, right, but right. So two two of the players are actually Israeli. The rest are actually Americans who are of Israeli descent, Jewish descent. So because of the World Baseball Classic's pretty lax eligibility rules, you're basically you're basically able to play for a team if you are eligible to become a citizen of that country. So because of the law of return in Israel, which is a uh, law that, that gives Jews the right to become citizens of the state of Israel, um, all of those guys who have you know, Jewish mothers, for example, are able to play for Team Israel. And so they did, and they actually went really far in the tournament and defied expectations and put Israel on the baseball map, which is just funny because they're not actually Israelis. But um, but that was a fun storyline to watch. I was rooting for them to go all the way just because it would be kind of a uh, remember the Titans or um, you know Hoosiers, just underdog sports, typical sports underdog story. But they didn't. Uh, but it was, a, it was a fun thing. It could still be a cool movie. I mean – you should start a campaign for. I mean, that could be the next, the next sports movie. I mean, it, it doesn't have to end in absolute triumph for it to be a, a feel good sports movie. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, I think of um, the rookie, that Dennis Quaid baseball mm, movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, that just ends with him, you know, playing. So, uh, in a way, I guess that's a triumph. But or it's not it, like it ends the, with him. The Jamaican bobsledders, they didn't make <laughs> yeah. it all the way, right? There's I mean, another one. Or in Moneyball, the athletics go to the World Series, but they don't actually win the World Series. Yeah. So, so I think it's true. Yeah, that's that needs maybe to be there's the next a, one. Maybe there's a B-list movie to be made here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm really excited for baseball season, and uh, my fantasy baseball league is drafting today uh, because uh, the season starts tomorrow. Opening day officially is, um, I think, officially it's Monday, which is the third. And today is the 31st of March. Yeah, the games start tomorrow. So, or and I guess for well, you today is April one. Yeah, today is April first. Yeah, me. I enjoy baseball too, but more for the communal, like the experience of it. So I was already looking on um, the Cardinals website to see when they're going to have some home games and when we can go to them. And um, we were at Chick Fil A the other day, and they had were giving out these little Cardinals schedules. So I picked nice. up one of those, um, but. Yeah, I'm also excited about baseball because it means that summer is nearby, and I'm excited about summer for the weather and for our trip to California, which is going to be so exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited. Our plan right now is to go to San Diego and then drive up the coast. And Sally, I didn't tell you this yet, yet, but the other day I was trying to do some preliminary planning for it. Oh, nice. And it's going to be tough because there are just so many possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's so much That's to see in California. Yeah. And so the challenge is going to be just narrowing it down. And to we don't have endless time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we'll just have to go back. I just think I think this will be a fun sure. family excursion. But then maybe you and I can go back and hit some other spots that that we didn't we don't make it to this time around. That sounds great. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, right now, the San Diego Zoo is a must because we have a two and a half year old who loves zoos. And the Monterey Aquarium, I think, will also be going to because yeah. we have a two and a half year old who loves aquariums. <laughs> so and of course, San Francisco, and, just kind of seeing all the sites in San Francisco. That'll be fun. And I'm really looking forward to the Mexican food in San Diego, which I've heard is amazing. I know. Me too. Yeah, there was that Bon Appetit um, article this summer about what was it breakfast burritos or burritos in general in LA uh, yeah it was just it was just like on the burrito in general yeah the LA food scene just seems like one of those blossoming food scenes that I definitely want to check out and I kind of want to go to Hollywood and see like the stars on the road that would be kind of fun or see the big sign but we'll see I don't know sign. if we can they do everything <laughs> okay never mind that <laughs> just kidding um, yeah, I'm really excited for just like West Coast cuisine and summer food. Um, yeah, I feel like food has been, I mean, I can't say I haven't been eating well um, in terms of the quality, but it hasn't been really exciting lately. I'd say the most exciting eating that I've been doing is um, my parents gave me four weeks of Blue Apron, which is a meal delivery service. They don't send you, probably everyone knows what Blue Apron is these days because they sponsor so many podcasts. Unfortunately, this is not a sponsored podcast, but they um, they deliver meals that you then prepare yourself. So they deliver all the ingredients in tiny little containers with exactly the amount that you need, and then you put it all together and cook it. And it's not all its not all organic, but it's pretty healthy, right? Yeah, and it's all, they always tell you where they source it from. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely quality ingredients. I... I, I've, I've enjoyed it. It's been, it's been fun and it's been interesting. I wouldn't say that I wouldn't give it a, an A plus. I think, um, they, one, one thing that I didn't really care for, I like to eat vegetarian for, you know, at least half of my meals. And, um, their, the vegetarian options that they had were not very veggie heavy, which I just found it was just more like a lot of pasta or a lot of carbs, other carbs like bread or something, sandwiches. Um, so if I wanted to choose a vegetarian meal, I just didn't feel like it was the healthiest. And especially since I'm feeding a toddler, I want to sneak in those veggies or not sneak them in, but have them in there as often as I can. So, or sneak them in. I mean, yeah, let's be honest here. Right. Sometimes we need to sneak them in. Right, right. So yeah, so that was – so I opted more for the meat meals. Um that Blue Apron had. And those were really good. They were delicious. Um, two other things that I thought that I didn't care for. I feel like at each step of each meal, they tell you to salt and pepper everything. And I'm just like, I don't think we need any more salt. <laughs> I think it's good. And maybe I'm just highly attuned to the amount of salt because I try not to overload Esther's sodium intake. But it was just like salt and pepper now, salt and pepper again. And same thing with olive oil. It was just like, let's just keep I don't think we need any more olive oil I think it's okay <laughs> so those are my critiques but it's definitely it's hard to mess up the recipes they are interesting they have either unique ingredients that they showcase in each recipe or they have interesting flavor combinations that I wouldn't have necessarily thought of um, and like I said they're quality ingredients and really everything was delicious so even if you know my toddler didn't like it I did and a lot of them she did enjoy it so 
so yeah, Blueprint, I do, I do give it a thumbs up. I would be interested to nice. try other meal delivery services as well. Um, what was but, the one we tried when we were in Alabama? Yeah, that was HelloFresh. Um, HelloFresh. And what, I liked you, that what's one. What's your idea on the comparison? Well, I, I've told people I think it's hard to compare because in that one, we chose the family box. And mm. in this one, it was just like the two-person household box that I have. Gotcha. So I don't know actually even if Blue Apron has a family box, but that obviously is going to be more toddler friendly, the family box. So I can't, I can't really yeah, say. Yeah, I remember, I mean, we had, um, sausage, like there was like had, a sausage had... and pasta one. And, yeah. um, I think like a beef stir fry and I forget what the, the, the final one was, but yeah, it was definitely. I do remember thinking those meals were really good. Yeah, they were good. They were good. So yeah, HelloFresh was and good, <laughs> but hard to, yeah, hard to really compare. So I'm not sure. I also heard that there's one that um, really focuses on kind of the veg and I forget what that's called, green something. Um, but our contributor, Muriel, has tried that one before because she had kind of the same impression of Blue Apron's vegetarian options, that it was just not very veggie vegetarian. <laughs> just so do not you remember meat. the name of the one that, that um, Muriel told you about? No, it's green something. Green plate, maybe? Yeah, because I think I saw an ad for it, actually, and it said that it was really like, vegan-friendly as well. Oh, okay, okay, okay. They seem to pride themselves on organic and produce options. Okay. Yeah, I just I'm not organic is not my priority, but the produce heavy aspect of it is is nice. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah. Well, on your point about the salt and pepper and the oil, it seems like uh, that's a pretty standard way to uh, like just enhance food that doesn't necessarily um, taste great. Is just like add sodium and fat. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> sodium and fat. Yeah. Sodium and fat. I just didn't even think it was necessary. Yeah. Like I don't I've know. been in a lot of, um, you know, cafeterias in my day. They do a lot of spraying with oil and salting their food. Yeah. By the way, I think that option is a green chef. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, of. yeah. Maybe. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, that sounds familiar, but again, it may be because I've seen an ad for it too. Yeah. So, green chef, organic food delivery, healthy, flavorful meals right at your doorstep. I'm not advertising for them again. Yeah, it's <laughs> just, not a uh, sponsored post. This is the, yeah, this is the one we've not tried yet, but maybe we should try this one sometime. Yeah, yeah that'd so be fun. Vegan, so they have whole vegan options, not even just vegetarian. Oh, okay. Wow. Looks very, very not meat delicious. <laughs> You're like Esther. I love the meat is what she always I love the meat. <laughs> exactly. I like the meat. They do. So I'm looking at the site a little bit more, though. They actually, they do have, they call it omnivore, carnivore gluten-free, vegan, paleo, vegetarian wow. options. So they, they have a lot of stuff. Wow. But we can stop talking about subscription services for meals now. <laughs> well, I will talk about another subscription service that I have um, I have been tuned into, and that is Aloha, which they do mostly protein powder. And um, you can get their, their protein powder. It's all plant-based. It's um, also vegan. Everything is all natural. There's no additives. There's no – it's not laden with sugar or weird ingredients that you can't pronounce. Um, but it's great, and it makes – it's great for smoothies. It's also great for baked goods. I've made protein pancakes that both Esther and I really like. Um, just even stirring it into yogurt, it's it's quality. And if you – you can buy it at Target. I've seen it at Target, but I think it's cheaper – if you use the subscription service. And the nice thing with that is I was a little afraid um, to sign up for it, 
but you can log into your account and push back your orders. So you can get it one month and then not get it for three more months if you don't want to. Um, but it is it ends up being cheaper the per per tin. So yeah, if you're looking that's for a good like protein a, powder, my, sorry, oh, you're fine. I was just gonna say I really oh, I was like just Aloha. Say, that's kind of like my kind of like my Dollar Shave Club subscription. Yeah, where, yeah. Where I can just if I'm if I'm not ready for a new set of cartridges, I just log in and say yeah pause yeah and amazon is the same way with their subscribe and save we do subscribe and save diaper wipes and um i had just forgotten to stop them for the longest time and ended up with so many diaper wipes when lucy was born which was great we didn't have to buy wipes forever but then i forgot to restart them and ran out of wipes finally so um so that's the key but yeah again not a sponsored podcast but i really like aloha so I recommend it. And then also along the lines of food. Sorry, Zach. I just have a lot to say about food, I guess. I like food. But I wanted to say that I think I have perfected the art of roasting chickpeas. And maybe this is the way that everyone's been doing it for forever. But my problem with roasted chickpeas is that they were always kind of not soggy, but just not crunchy the way they're supposed to be, apparently. But then I accidentally figured out a new method and that is I roast them at 400 for 20 minutes and then I shake the pan and turn them around in the oven and then 10 more minutes but then instead of taking them out I just turn off the oven and keep them in there while the oven cools down and then once the oven is totally cool and I take them out they're really really crunchy and they're like satisfyingly crunchy they're really really good so if you like roasted chickpeas but have always had that problem that's what I recommend and maybe, again, maybe this is not novel, but it's it's revolutionized it for me. I'm, like, making roasted chickpeas all the time now. I mean, I wouldn't think that would be intuitive. I wouldn't think just leave them in the oven while it cools down, so. Yeah, I just, my, I mean, I just uh, did it accidentally. My <laughs> only thought would be to let them, my only thought would be to let them, like, be in open air while they cool so they dry out, but. Yeah. Even that, like you said, it kind of, it doesn't, doesn't make them crunchy. And I think it might help, too, that on the pan, they're all separated, Whereas if you just like take them out and I would like stick them in a dish or in a Tupperware, mm. you know, yeah. they're cooling. Well, you gotta have ones on the bottom that are covered and don't, right, they're not right. exposed to the open air. Yeah. So yeah, roasting the art chickpeas. of chickpea roasting, man. <laughs> I've mastered it. <laughs> I am, by the way, speaking of chickpeas, very excited to uh, return to Dizengoff Hummus Bar yes, in Philadelphia. Yes, me too. Yeah, that is more of a summer travel that we're having. Well, I guess spring travel, but um yeah, I know. A family wedding. We've talked about that before, but yeah, Dissengoff's hummus is amazing. And I've been on a huge hummus kick too. Obviously, I love chickpeas, um, but there's nothing better. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. I followed their Instagram account and it's so, oh, I'm just always like, oh, I want that right now. <laughs> I told someone the other day about this hummus bar in Philadelphia. This person lives in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. And uh they looked at me like I had three heads, like a hummus bar. That's interesting. I was like, yeah, it sounds weird, but it's really good. Yeah. And in retrospect, I'm wondering if they thought that I was saying like it's a bar that also serves hummus, like beer oh, and hummus, which, yeah, which would be yeah. kind of a strange combination. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know, but regardless. And it's not like you're sitting there with like you take your spoon and you're eating just like hummus. But <laughs> yeah. And there's so many combinations. I think people, if you really like – if you like the meat <laughs> – it seems like, oh, hummus, that would be not super satisfying. But they have so many combinations of hummus and beef and lamb and 
asparagus and Brussels sprout hummus and everything. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. Should we talk about stuff we've been reading? Yeah. 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 Please go ahead. You go first since I kind of monopolized. Okay. So I have two articles I want to talk about. The first is this, well, it's not kind of more like a series of articles, but this whole Uber controversy. So I've been following this pretty closely. And if you're not familiar with Uber, they've been in the news a lot lately for uh, multiple problems. The most serious of which, they're all serious, but in my mind, the most serious of which is um, allegations that look well-founded and are corroborated from women who have worked at the company who say that they have been exposed to unfair, sometimes hostile treatment, and um, a basically sexist environment at Uber. And when their complaints were brought to HR, HR dismissed them or even blamed them in it's the worst so cases. It's so crazy. It's, that's just horrifying. Yeah. So there's a, uh, there's a woman named Susan Fowler who worked at Uber and wrote a piece on this. Basically, my, my, I think it was reflecting on a strange year at Uber or something like that. Um, so I recommend reading her article to get a glimpse into, into the company. There was another follow-up um, written anonymously on Medium. And it's, it's just a little bit harder to, uh, to attest to the you know, truthfulness when it's, when it's, um, an anonymous person, because you, you know, you can't look, go back and look at HR records, for example, and there's not necessarily an email chain that can be used to right. verify right. things, but, but it's, this person seemed to back up the same things that, um, that Susan Fowler was saying and the company. And, and I mean, in, in kind of the ultimate, uh, the ultimate piece of evidence, the company basically admitted that they need to do better and had wow. an all-employee all employee briefing or meeting to talk about it and all that stuff. But the front office isn't really making big changes, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Uber proceeds. And this is not the first time that they've been criticized. Not even the first time they've been criticized for this. I think um, oh, wow. Susan Fowler's piece just got, just got a lot of attention. But oh. um, Uber's not really known as a I guess a virtuous company, for lack of a better word. And in another example of this, another reason they've been in hot water lately is uh, Google is suing them, suing their autonomous vehicles division for uh, intellectual property theft. The uh, allegation is that the current head of Uber's autonomous driving project, who is a former Google employee in their uh, uh, self-driving car oh, program, my goodness. stole a bunch of technology on his way to Uber. That's so crazy. And that's really recent because it was just a few months ago that we had our podcast on self-driving cars and we talked about Uber and we right. talked about Google, but that wasn't not, you know, that was not in the news at the time. Yep, exactly. And there's there's some circumstantial evidence that makes it look like Uber higher-ups might have known that he was bringing technology with oh, him from Google. Wow. Which would make it obviously much worse because yeah. it wouldn't just be well, the, one they bad could have apple. You know, hired him for that reason. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because um, yeah, I think the the circumstantial evidence basically amounts to him having like in person meetings with Uber execs before his his departure was made official, et cetera. Wow. So you know, again, circumstantial doesn't you know he could have just been having in depth interviews where he didn't right um, right you know he didn't promise to bring any technology, but. Uh, it just doesn't make Uber look good. No, um, and I just don't see them coming back from this. I mean, I, I mean, if given the chance, I would definitely choose other, other services over Uber, like Lyft or whatever the other ones are. It's just, I mean, yeah. that yeah, absolutely. I just would not want to give my money to a company like Uber. Right. Yeah, it seems like they're going to lose a lot of their market share. A lot of their customer base. I mean, I think they'll still be a, a strong company. They'll just probably have to scale down a little bit. Sure. But 
they had they have so many drivers and um i think probably a lot of the drivers would just keep switch keep driving for uber you know just to avoid the hassle of switching to lyft sure but yeah i mean you have to have riders there to make the demand for the drivers so yeah there are no riders so i mean i don't think this is like spelling the doom of the company or anything like that it's just too big to not weather this to some degree but i think you're right they're definitely going to take a big financial hit and um i mean you could say as they should and definitely they'd be deserved for being castigated by um consumer choice but you know there are a lot of employees at uber who will be who will bear the brunt of this when the, it's not yeah. it's not their fault you know yeah yeah so it's, it really seems like the leadership at uber needs to uh needs to change yeah but yeah, so that's one that's one article I was reading. There's another article in Wired magazine in uh, I think it's the March 21st issue. Um, I read it online and it's available for free online without a subscription, but it's called Inside the Inside the Hunt for Russia's Most Notorious Hacker. And it's really an article. It starts out talking about the December sanctions that the Obama administration imposed on Russia after the intelligence community came out with their assessment that the uh, the Russian government tried to interfere in the oh, 2016 right. election campaign. Yes. And so it talks about this guy who was on the list of indictments, uh, Evgeny Mikhailovich Bogachev, whose name I probably butchered, but there it is. That was better Russian accent than I could do. <laughs> <laughs> but the interesting thing is this guy, it doesn't actually appear as if he was involved in the campaign, the election okay. campaign influence campaign. Um, instead, he's a hacker who designed one of the world's most sophisticated botnets and operated it as the basically uh, the muscle behind an international cybercrime syndicate for years. And they took it down, the FBI, through this amazing multinational effort that is detailed in the article. The FBI took down this botnet um, in 2014. I think it was 14, maybe it was 15. Um, but they never caught the guy. Oh, and wow. so. Um, so basically, the speculation on the part of it's a little more than speculation, but the hypothesis on the part of the author is that the U.S. government basically threw his name into the ring in this article uh, or in this um, indictment in an effort to get the Russians to show good faith and maybe turn over this guy wow. to the U.S. even though he wasn't involved in the Russian thing. Oh my goodness! So this, yeah, so one of the most um, advanced cyber criminals in the world is out there on the loose and. He's he's that guy in Russia. That's so crazy. That is a movie. I'm not gonna try again. Yeah, <laughs> that could definitely be a movie, and it'd be pretty cool. But the whole article is just is fascinating because I don't read much about the cybercrime, and there's uh, there's so much you can do with cybercrime, and I'm sure it's cybercriminals are so advanced. I mean, this the tech the tech in here is already three years old, you know. So wow. you know that you know that we've come exponentially further since then it also gives some kind of good good inside looks at the inner workings of the fbi and their relationships with other international uh, or other 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 nations cyber crime task force guys and it was just it was just a cool article I yeah that sounds really it. cool yeah let's link to that too that's great well the only articles that i've been really reading lately have been verily magazine articles um but that reading helped me to come across one in the most, I think, recent email with their most recent articles, um, an article by our own Margaret Perry. And right. um, she is one of our contributors. And in addition to being a foodie and a restaurant manager, she 
is also an expert on children's literature, and she has a blog dedicated to it. And so this post was all about books that you should bring to your next baby shower that you're invited to and um, or give to your own kids. So I forwarded it to Zach, and he immediately um, bought a book for our kids. But yeah, yeah, it was just a great list of books. We had some of them, but some of them I'd never heard of, um, and I um, hopped on to our library's website and um, ordered a few other ones that we also didn't have. But yeah, so check out on Verily um, Margaret's most recent article talking about children's literature and uh, recent children's literature and a few old ones too, but it's kind of some more recent ones for different age groups, which I thought was really helpful. And I'm probably a bad friend, but I didn't know she had this whole side project devoted to children's publishing. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, she's just, I mean... She she has so many hidden talents. <laughs> so yay. Great job, Margaret. Um, but I have been reading still, even if I haven't read any articles. And um, besides our book club books, which I'm reading Being Mortal right now, and I really like it. So if you are looking for a book to read and want to join us for our last book club book, Being Mortal by Atul Gawande is incredible. It's very fascinating. The topic is fascinating. Um, it's not like heady at all in the philosophical sense, but it's um, very practical and filled with anecdotes, but also research that he himself has done because he's a physician, um, talking about nursing homes and care for the aged and dying. And um, he's just a great writer. So I'm definitely going to read, I think the Checklist Manifesto is the book that people are always talking about that he wrote. And I I think I might read that just because he's such a great writer. And I also like to have a novel going. So I um, recently read Blue Castle by Ellen Montgomery for another podcast uh, book club that I was a part of. And then read another book by Maria Semple. I had read um, Hello, or no, Where'd You Go, Bernadette, which she's most well known for. She's a modern novelist. And that was very bizarre, but I kind of, I liked it at the end. So I decided to read her most recent book, which Verily had recommended. Um, Today Will Be Different. And it's also set in Seattle, and uh, which I like Seattle, so that was kind of fun. And it's also dysfunctional and bizarre, but it was also really interesting and just a quick read. So um, her writing style is very interesting. And I think for me, at least, it keeps me reading and I, I liked it. So um, the next book that I ordered from the library is The Underground Railroad, which came out last year. And it's already won a couple awards. Um, and it's just on a bunch of lists. So I it's a fictionalized telling of the Underground Railroad. From my understanding, it they it acts as though the Underground Railroad was an actual railroad. So I don't know. I don't know much more about it, but it's waiting for me at the library. So I'm excited to start it. Cool. Yeah. I have a vacant novel I'm just starting called The Secret Agent by Joseph Conrad, the same Joseph Conrad who wrote Heart of Darkness. Oh. And as I'm five pages in, I am not qualified to discuss the plot <laughs> or the or the quality of the book, but I'm excited to do that later. Well, you, you're um, good balance to my, like, I'm just choosing all these modern novels. I know there's, like, so many novels that I could be reading that are older. Well, Blue Castle, that was in the 1900s. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I've got this, like, modern novel kick going on. So good in for the you. Words, for... In the words of Barney Stinson, newer is always better. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> newer is always better. <laughs> Uh, well, before we wrap up, I did want to mention that 
Well, first, Serial has promised that they are coming out with a season three. So I'm excited about that. I was a bit disappointed about season two. Season one we've talked about before was phenomenal. But in the meantime, they came out with a collaboration with This American Life, the podcast S-Town, which was just released as of now, three days ago. All of the episodes are out, all the chapters, seven episodes. And I am in the third one right now. Um, and I'm I'm pretty hooked. I, I think, I mean, I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm pretty intrigued by it. Um, due to the explicit rating, it's not something I can just turn on around the house when the girls are awake. But... I've been listening to it at the gym and uh, and when I have a moment when they're not around. But um, yeah, I don't know. You, you're, you've you started listening to it too, right, Zach? I have. I'm about one episode in. So I think I'm about an episode behind you or so okay. two episodes behind. And um, yeah, it's the central character is one of the most fascinating people I've ever yeah. learned about. Yeah, John B. It, so it takes place in Wood. Is it Woodstock, Alabama? Um, it's Wood something. something I think. Wood something. Yeah, and he he is very negative on on his town, and he calls it S Town, S H I T Town, and but the podcast itself is called literally the letter S Town, and he's just right. so he has so many interests, but he's he's super well spoken. He's really smart. Um, but he also is very moody. <laughs> it's just you don't know what you're going to get from him next. And the the reporter, Brian Reed, he just I mean, I'm surprised he developed such a relationship with the guy over so many years because I don't know. I, I think sometimes he just seems like he's crazy. Yeah, he's just he's such an eccentric guy. I and I'm only an episode in, so I don't I don't really I don't know what to think yet. Yeah. Well, you should definitely keep going through episode two because I was listening to that at the gym today. I was finishing episode two and starting episode three. And I had definitely had a wow moment in episode two. So um, it's worth going at least to see where the direction of the podcast goes after that kind of twist. Sounds so, good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you're looking for a new podcast, um, S-Town is really good. And if you want one that doesn't have an explicit rating um, and you're a mom, Risen Motherhood is my new mommy podcast that I've been hooked on lately. So um, in addition to all my other podcasts. (laughs) If you really like nerdy baseball stuff, you can listen to Effectively Wild. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Is that a new one that you've started listening to or have you been listening to it for a while? I've been listening to it for a while, but I'm I'm just adding another... Since you're adding a podcast, I'm just adding a podcast. Yeah, but mine's no, kind we of need a niche more dimension. <laughs> I mean, so is mine. Interest, so. <laughs> well, there are a lot more moms in the world than there are nerdy baseball enthusiasts. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> you got to keep plugging them. That's why. <laughs> that's right. Well, anything else we need to talk about in this special episode? I don't think so. I think we can wrap up now. We've been about a half an hour, so we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming next time. Power of Meaning, yes. Emily Espahani Smith. Be, uh, should be pretty soon. We'll probably get that recorded in the next week and a half or so, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, whenever. I guess we haven't talked about scheduling a time yet, but yeah, well, we, we should, should do get it soon. Done soon so. Yeah, yeah, and then um, so read that and read Being Mortal by Atul Gawande, and you will be officially a part of the Vernacular Book Club. The great thing about the book club is all you have to do is just read the book. Listen to the podcast and you're in the book club. No, <laughs> no signing wanna, up required. If you want to send us, if you want to send us some thoughts that you have, please do. We'd love to discuss our listeners' thoughts. So yeah, that would be uh, great. You can do that. You can submit a comment on our website at vernacularpodcast.com or on our blog at blog.vernacularpodcast.com. 
or you can send us a note on Twitter at VernacularPod or on Facebook, facebook.com slash VernacularPodcast or on Instagram also like Twitter at VernacularPod. All right, for Vernacular Podcast, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great week. I'm by your side